Your move, creep. Wish me luck, Freezer. You go, Ben Coco. Dino DMA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. That's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good-looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde, the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. My name is Austin. And my name is George. And today we are doing something a little different. This movie is older, but it was an independent movie, like a really small movie that didn't have a wide theatrical release. So we're not going to be talking about box office numbers. We're not going to be talking about um, how well it did in theaters. We're not really going to talk about reviews, are we? Did you look up any reviews? I did. I, you I did? Okay. Few. Maybe we will talk about reviews then. But basically, I mean, we always cut these episodes into two parts, the before and after, right? And the before is meant for us to kind of reminisce about when we first saw the films uh, and for the other person to kind of talk about what they've heard of. But because this is a small documentary from 2005, you and I have no idea that this movie existed. I had no idea what it was until I looked it up. We had our, on our previous episode, we had the spin uh, wheel thing. It was a it was an, a special event episode where we decided what movie we, we were going to cover next as an episode. Uh, and this was a listener submitted movie uh so shout out to them and we didn't know what this was about or anything so we said you know what like austin and i have talked about how we want to broaden our horizon with different films right with things that we wouldn't typically watch and this fit the profile down to a t we've never heard of it it was it's been almost uh 15 16 years since this movie came out so we're like fuck it let's just do it Let's see how it goes. Like we did like a spin the wheel ep thing at the end of last episode. And I, I feel like if it was any other movie that would have won, we would have stuck with our original choice, right? The the good, the bad, the weird. That's how I was kind of feeling. The only other movie that I probably would have really jumped on was Team, uh, Team, Team America. Yeah. Poli uh, police Force, I think. or Team America World Police. There you go. That one. Just because... Um, you know, America's an interesting place right now. Why not why not talk about it a little bit? But this movie fits really well because, you know, it's about Asian heritage and Asian identity. And I mean, as we were talking about in the previous episode, there's a lot of uh, Asian hate going on right now in the world. You know, you may not know this, but we're in a little pandemic. And and some people just decided it was all Asians people's fault. The the Chinese virus. Yeah, you know what I mean, and uh, there's a lot, and I mean, it, we open. I mean, I'll open up Facebook, and I, I'll find news, and I, I follow legitimate sources, okay, like the L.A. Times and stuff. I'm not following my grandma's newspaper, <laughs> you no. Know. But you always hear stories about Asian Americans being assaulted and being threatened and stuff like that. And we hadn't done an Asian centric film on this podcast yet, uh, and we haven't done that many documentaries either. We've only done one which we didn't even really dive into that much. So we figured, you know what? Let's just do both films. Um, 
and we'll see how it goes. And uh, I got to say, this documentary is pretty great. It really is. Let's let's talk about how what your expectations were before going into the movie. Like, what kind of a movie did you think you were going to see? I figured a documentary. <sighs> My love for documentaries has only recently come up, like maybe 10 years ago or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, I wasn't a big fan of documentaries because they were just all boring and stuff. The only one that I really liked was the Jazz Age documentary by uh, Ken Burns. Mm-hmm. Ken or Ben Burns? No, Ben Burns is the, ra- the, ben the Burns racer. Is from Speed Racer. From Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah, Ken Burns. Uh, and I loved that documentary. But outside of that, I'm not too crazy about them. So I was, on a weird way, I kind of felt like maybe this was going to be something similar to that. Because it's from that time era of 2005. I, you know, I, I was just like, the Grace Lee Project, what? Okay. From what I understood, from the little I saw, because we, the, the name, the title of the film came up, and I, you know, typed it in, and it's like, well, it's about a woman who um, has the same name as a lot of other women. So my expectation was, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a movie about identity in the individual, and she's going to go and find a bunch of grace leads that are completely different from her and oh the individual and not all grace leads are the same which isn't i mean i'm not trying i'm not saying that's a bad i'm just i I don't know the voice you used when you said that kind of sounded like i I was expecting something (laughs) very very um spoon-fed right like not all grace leads are the same Mm -hmm. and i'm going to spend an hour showing you all these different Grace Lees. I was like, okay, fair enough, you know, cool. Is that going to make for an interesting documentary? That, those were my expectations. I was a little skeptical at first. I was I was excited, um, but I, still a little skeptical. You know what I mean? Well, those were my first impressions. What are your first impressions? Uh, my impressions were, uh, like, the, the trailer is like, my name is Grace It shows all these different Asian women who say, my name is Grace Lee. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is a movie that's going to be about um, kind of the expectations of Asian women, I think, and how how people think of Asian women as all the same. And I think that the name just like the similar name thing was going to be like the introductory point to kind of show that not all Asian women are the same. You know what I mean, I felt kind of the same way. I seemed a little bit more, um, we'll see how it goes. You know what I mean? Uh, it seemed like you kind of were embracing it a little bit more. I don't know. I was, it's not something that I would typically seek out, mm-hmm. but you know, in the current climate, I was, I was more, I feel like we, we should listen to uh, Asian stories, particularly Asian women's stories, I think. Cause it's not, it's not something that we, we do. You know, like recently at the Oscars, I think it was the first time uh, Asian woman won a won an Oscar for directing. Woman of color. And it's the second woman, second woman of color, right? No, 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 no. Second woman, Sec- oh. first woman of color. The first woman was Catherine Bigelow in oh, two thousand nine right. for, for the Hurt Locker. Oh Walker. my God, that was the first time a woman won a direct won the best director, best director. Oscar. Wow. And and Catherine Bigelow won best picture as well for Hurt Locker. Same as uh, Chloe's out. That's that's what I was going to say. It's really interesting because, you know, this isn't something that I normally would seek out either. But, you know, especially in these times, it's 
very important to listen to other people's experiences, other like women, different genders and different ethnicities and races and stuff. It's like I've been way more inclined and way more like wanting to seek these voices out, especially now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like every day we're hearing news stories about about race and gender. And it's, you know, it's like, well, all right. Yeah. And like our refusal to acknowledge it and our refusal to talk about it, it doesn't do us any favors. Exactly. I think it is something that we we should listen to because we have to share this world with a bunch of different people. I agree. I I agree 100 percent with what you said. I think you put it very nicely. Okay, so let's get into this movie. So the movie is called The Grace Lee Project. And if you want, if you're the kind of person who wants to like know the context for what we're talking about and you want to watch the movie, um, how did you see it, George? I saw it on Canopy. Canopy is a streaming service um, that is for free if you have the Los, uh, if you have a Los Angeles library card. Absolutely worth it. Canopy is obviously not as popular as uh, Netflix and stuff. It doesn't have a Stranger Things equivalent, but they have a ton of great cinema. Uh, They have parts of the Criterion Collection on there. A24 films, documentaries. I was watching, um, oh, Victoria. It's this foreign film from a few years ago that was shot in one long take. Actual one long take. And... Like these, there are a bunch of foreign films and oldies, classic Hollywood. It's it's got a ton of variety. What right? if you don't have a Los Angeles library card? Do you can you like if you don't live in Los Angeles? Can do you have access to Canopy through other means? You might, not that I'm aware of. Unfortunately, right. I'm so, not sure. But you can catch the the movie on Vimeo. Yes, that's how I watched it. I I do not have a Los Angeles uh, library card, even though I kind of live in the area. Vimeo, as far as I know, is free. It's like a different kind of YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. It's like premium YouTube, I guess. So it's like <laughs> not as big, not as fancy. Um, if you have a Vimeo account, you can rent certain movies. And the rental for the Grace Lee Project was only four bucks. And you get it for 48 hours. The resolution isn't like, I'd imagine it wasn't as good as what's on Canopy. But, you know, it is a movie from 2005 shot on a low budget. Like, you're not missing, like, a lot of visual information from a low bit rate. I actually started watching the film on Canopy, but there were a few hiccups. The film would stutter a little bit. Dude, mine too. Yeah, well, I'm guessing that was part of the conversion from... Because I'm sure this this movie was shot on VHS or very, very low grade... um, like D- digital video or something. Exactly. Very. It shows its age, uh, and I guess in the conversion, may have, something may have happened there. Maybe something with the tape or editing. I'm not too sure, but it's only a few amount of times. What What bums me out is that it happens at like certain points where I'm like, oh, I wanted to hear what the rest of that <gasps> sentence Dude, was. Dude, that happened without. <laughs> okay, <laughs> heads up. Telling like. Talking about the different Grace Lee's is going to be really difficult. <laughs> I made a list as to, like all the main ones. Okay. I, I remember most of them, but the one that I was talking about was the, when they were explaining KPs. PKs. Oh, P, I'm sorry. PKs. Pastor's kids. And, and she's like, you're either a good, uh, uh, good goody two shoes PK or you're the. And then it just cuts out and we're like, wait. What's the other one? What's the other one? I was like, are you a, a bad bitch PK? Are you a, 
I, I don't know what I don't know what it is. Um, so it, it's a little inconvenient, but again, though, this is a independent, low budget film from 2005. I mean, as we talked about in our episode of um, of a uh, side by side, talking about the digital era of filmmaking, one of the things that they talked about was how are we able to convert all this media? You know, yeah, because because a part of the digital age is uh, media conservation, and the Grace mm-hmm. Lee Project, you know, um kind of it's it's preserved but you know with not perfectly not like you would not like a, a major motion picture no where like not, there's everything is is there exactly so this you know it just no it's a little rough around the edges it looks like it's time it's shot very uh with a very dv type of feel it has a four three aspect ratio um oh yeah and I saw the look- I saw the rental thing in the corner for like the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, it's very much a product of its time. But I have to say that the actual story, the narrative, it's pretty so fucking good. great, and yeah. it, it holds gets, up pretty well. Yes, absolutely. Espe- like in the beginning, I thought it was going to be like a whimsical, like uh, oh, what what kind of stuff did happen to you? Because your name is Grace Lee, and it's yeah. the name of a bunch of other different Asian girls. Like, how do you, how does that make you feel? I th- the beginning is kind of like that, but it gets like a lot heavier, like towards the midway point, especially that last, that last third, the last one where it yeah. drops the, uh, well, okay. Just a, just a quick primer for people who don't know, right? The Grace Lee project was directed by a woman named Grace Lee. Her parents were Korean immigrants and she was born in the Midwest and she decided to pursue filmmaking as a career. And I th- she said that when she moved to California, she met a bunch of other Grace Lees and was kind of curious as to, like, how many Grace Lees are there and who are they? She sets up a database online uh, where other Grace Lees can contact her. She has a section for occupation, age, uh, location, and a bunch of Grace Lees, a bunch email her. And so she decides to go and find a few of them and interview them and talk to them. And, you know, it starts off very whimsical, like, oh, what do you uh, how do you feel about being named Grace Lee? What do you do? What what was it like growing up? You know, and she talks to people who are like, did you know Grace Lee? Can you describe Grace Lee to me? The entire documentary, there are moments where random strangers and ask them, have you ever met a Grace Lee? And she was like, describe them. And they'll always say the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> nice, polite, quiet, uh, religious, quiet. It's always the same. The Grace right? Lee I know is an auditorium in my high school. Also, probably. Uh, I think she was either studying law or medicine. Uh, she's very intelligent. She was really smart. Very intelligent. She played the clarinet. Like, she was just like the nicest girl. She's nice and she's smart, but then she's kind of mean sometimes, but she's really nice. She drives an Acura Integra. Uh, she's quietly intense. She was very quiet. Um, she was very sweet. She had like really cute hair. Almost every Grace Lee I ever met had a, an essence of purity to them. I think there's a religiously Christian Grace Lee I knew eons ago. But you know what's so funny? I have no idea what happened to her. I haven't kept in touch with her. Uh-huh. Are you still in touch with her? No, I didn't like her. So I didn't. wherever she is, I hope she's doing well. Wherever you are. <laughs> this is this happens throughout the documentary, and by the end of the film you kind of walk out with a different revelation than you were imagining or that I was imagining. 
Because I yes. imagine going in here, it's like, okay, it's a documentary about how all Grace Lees are not the same. Okay, cool. Like, I'm Hispanic. So the sense that, like, not all type, like, not everyone in this race is the same is, like, not mind-blowing to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling me something I already know. So what am I really yeah. going to get out of this doc? And the doc comes to a really interesting conclusion. I, it was interesting. I, do we want to talk about the ending yet or do you want to hold yeah. off on it? Uh, let's hold off on it. Let's. Okay. So she talks to a bunch of, a bunch of Grace Lees, but she really focuses these interviews on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different Grace Lees that get like the most screen time. Like you could say that it's split up into eight different parts, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's the Grace Lee that's a reporter in Honolulu who moved from Alabama to L.A. to Hawaii. Um, and she's like the like the famous Grace Lee. Mm-hmm. The documentary also talks about other famous Grace Lees, like a woman who is on like a Filipino cruise ship. And what, what song is she, she singing? Oh, My I can't will even... go on. I don't know. It's something like really famous. Like, oh, man, uh, I can't play too much of that because... You have to pay the rights. <laughs> she talks about Bruce Lee's mother, also named yeah. Grace Lee. Mm-hmm. So, and then, like, the Midway Ford Grace Lee, who has commercials on TV. Oh, yeah. And then I guess, like, the she gets to talk to a news reporter from Honolulu. And then there is the arsonist Grace Lee, <laughs> who we don't actually meet, but we we get to know about her through her classmates. Yeah. Her old classmates. Um, like the story is, and I don't know if Grace, filmmaker Grace Lee is convinced by it. The story is that the arsonist tried to burn down something out of stress, out of the stress for being like a perfect student, Some something she didn't want her parents to find out about, so she burned it. She tried burning the principal's office because he had like a no or some some info about her grades not being well, so she decided she tried to burn down the principal's office didn't really do anything. Uh, yeah. It barely left a dent in the school. Yeah. And then afterwards, like after they tell that story, all the people that knew her were like, oh, yeah, she was she was nice. She was quiet. She's probably successful now. <laughs> They're like <laughs> totally ignoring the fact that she almost burned down a, a classroom or a school. My impressions of her were that she was super nice. Regular Chinese girl. Uh, I think uh, seemed quiet to me. Kind of nondescript. I think she was about your height. Uh, Five two five three, and I'm sure that she's really successful wherever she is right now. And um, why are you sure of that? Because I guess I'm sure that she's successful now because she was successful before this happened, and I don't see any reason why one act, like one mistake, can change a person's core. That is being nice, being studious, being really personable. So wait a second. Even when Grace Lee is committing arson, she's still a nice, studious Asian girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there, yeah, that's the arsonist. And then there is Grace Lee Boggs, who is who is an, an activist. activist. Activist based out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she She's the oldest, I believe. Yeah, she's the oldest. Uh, still volunteering. Uh, back Well, back in, she was still volunteering back in 2005. Yeah, and she was um, almost 90 then. Uh, the filmmaker Grace Lee actually did a follow up with her and did American like a whole, Revolutionary. Yes, the evolution of Grace Lee Boggs. Yeah, 
And that came out in like 2012, 2011? 2013. Um, but since then, I think Grace Lee Boggs has passed away. Uh, it's a shame because she she has some of the best charisma on, on oh, screen. Oh, yeah. Great she's lines, like, too. She, uh, she's like, uh, when Grace Lee, the filmmaker, is like, what? What? how would you describe yourself? She's like, well, I've got two earpieces. I've got most of my real teeth. <laughs> but I've got all my marbles. <laughs> she's, she's the coolest Grace Lee. She was part yeah. of the Black Power movement. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she married, uh, she married, uh, I don't know his, his Jimmy. She referred to Jim Boggs, I think that's where she gets the Boggs from. Yeah, that makes sense. And he was very involved with the movement. And I think the impression is that he passed away and then she kind of just kept doing it, but she was always mm-hmm. involved in activism. Yeah. Uh, even before she met Jimmy mm-hmm. and she was 80 years old and she kept working. She kept volunteering yeah. and she was she was pleasant with everyone. She was super fun to be around. There's that one kid who calls her Grace X because she's such a revolutionary or something. Yeah, that's so cool. That's cool. Super yeah. well respected in the community. Mm-hmm. And then there was the artist, Grace Lee, who is like a, she seems like she was a teenager. 15. 15? Yeah, 15. Um, um, and she, she, she has all the, She's a piano prodigy and all that, but she also has like a really macabre sense of art. Like she, she likes to draw people getting like stabbed and bleeding and like chained up and in body parts and stuff. And she says that that's kind of a way to express all of those like dark energies and dark feelings that she has in a positive, creative way. I really liked how the teacher encouraged her to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that's something yeah. I just just it's not really a big no. I just I thought that was really positive. Right. That it's like you have a teacher who kind of encourages their student to go down this, even though most people are like, oh, you don't encourage that. You encourage sunshine and stuff, you know, and it's like, no, draw some fucked up shit. I really yeah. like that. Just that was just a side note. But yeah, Grace Lee, she's cool, too. Her drawings were yeah. badass. And she has like, she has the voodoo dolls, too. She, yeah. <laughs> she makes them. <laughs> Um, and then there is the pastor's wife, Grace Lee, who's and like, then her, her daughter, right? Nope. Not oh, no, they're, that, okay. Nope. Not her daughter. Okay. Okay. I was, I was a little confused about that. <laughs> Come on, George. I was, no, but it's cause they go so from the format. They, they, they yeah. talk to the younger girl, the, 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 mm-hmm. the younger religious girl. And then they talk to the woman, to the, to the pastor's wife. Yeah. But you're right. That was my bad. Then there's. Then there's the pastor's kid, Grace Lee, who is, uh, she's at like a retreat and she's talking about how she is there to make disciples. And yeah, that's, that's her thing. We can get into that in a second. Uh, and then there is the South Korean, like the, she goes to Seoul in South Korea and meets an act, another activist, Grace Lee, who was uh, at the time out to her parents, lesbian. And she's a big lesbian activist. And she founded a bar, the first uh, gay bar called Lesbos. Lesbos. South- that was, that's I such a like- tight bar name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it's the first gay bar. I think it's the first lesbian bar. In South- I, they in they said lesbians. Okay. Uh, and then there, the final one was the mom, Grace Lee, I guess, mm-hmm. the, who was also an orphan, who was who I think is the coolest Grace Lee. I think she's the coolest one. She's she's very cool. She's very cool. Again, a lot of these a mm. lot of these Grace Lees are cool. Um, yeah. 
they, they I don't want to rank them. That's that seems like I'm missing the point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. No, no, no. It's all good. No, but she has a very interesting story. That's I think that's that's what we're both getting at is that her story is. They all have their own ta- challenges, mm-hmm. but the final Gracely, the the mom, uh, Lewis's mother. Yes, she go. She goes through. A, she went through a lot of fucked up things. Yeah. Um. The, the what she tells is that she had she met a man she had her son Lewis and her husband or her not husband but like the man she was with no her friend's husband oh she she made a friend named Koi who who's a mother of like four or five kids I think and the husband was very abusive and uh, the mom Grace Lee decided to take like provide provide refuge for for koi and her family and then when that guy found out he threatened to kill all of them including grace lee and her son yeah so they had to like move away completely and uproot their lives and go somewhere else and now they're like living in the suburb all together yeah yeah they uh, did you notice that there was the shot of the two apartment doors being open no i didn't notice that there were so there's two apartments that are right across from each other and both doors are open they're being held by chairs and Grace Lee's walking in between both of them. I figured cuz when the when she starts telling her story they mention how they lived in a one bedroom apartment. Mhm. There were seven of them. They lived in a one bedroom apartment. Yes. They all lived in a one bedroom apartment all seven mm-hmm. of them and they managed to move into two separate apartments. That's my that's my um that's my oh. guess as well. Just because I I I saw that shot and I was like Oh, Grace Lee's walking between them, and there's two families. Okay, but they're they're coming in. They're like walking back and forth. Um, a difficult story, man. She's also uh, she also can't hear. Yeah, really. I don't think she could hear and at all. She was an orphan too, and she she had a a very abusive household. Like they, she was like thrown downstairs and beaten, and her family was a pillar of the community. So they just said that. Grace was clumsy. Mm-hmm. So all of that abuse was hidden. Yeah. That was that was tough. Um Yeah. She, God damn, man. That's that's the thing. It's this documentary gets dark pretty quickly. Um mm-hmm. you know, it starts off very hopeful, very like, "Oh my god, look look at look at Grace Lee the reporter. So great and driven and uh amazing." And then as the documentary goes on, it's like, oh, okay, very, very driven, you know. And then it gets to Grace Lee and Soul. Then it takes a real dark turn where you yeah. find out that she um, no longer wanted to be in the documentary. Like she didn't want to be shown. That was one of the most tragic moments for me. Yeah, like it's like, oh, man, she's she seems like a really good person because the Grace Lee, the filmmaker, talks to... Um, activist like south korean activist grace lee's former girlfriend and she's talking her up oh my god grace lee's um is amazing she's great she like you know she's so driven she's like i need to take a break sometimes because it's so much but grace lee and that's like her former girlfriend like i wish my exes talked about me that way like yeah i don't even want to know what they would say and this grace um uh, grace lee's ex is like Oh, she's amazing, wonderful, talking her up. And I'm like, all right, let's, where the fuck's Grace Lee? I want to meet her. And then, like, the next thing you see is a Grace Lee, the filmmaker, talking to a, how does she put it? A pixelated blob? 
I'm like, what happened? Why, why isn't she showing her identity? Did is is someone coming after her? Is and then like you find out through narration that I can't show this Grace Lee because three years after filming, she told me she didn't want to be shown in the documentary because she didn't want to bring shame to her family, and she no longer is like publicly um, recognized as lesbian. You could hear. Grace Lee's voice, the filmmakers, because she narrates the film. You could just hear how almost disappointed she is. Mm -hmm. How, like, let down she is. Because, again, she, at one point in the documentary, she's like, I'm going to go find a bunch of Grace Lee's, interview them, and show the world that we're not all the same. That we're, that we're, that we're all different, and we each have our own personalities, and that people keep, people, people are wrong for describing all Grace Lee's as nice and, and polite and religious and she's like wanting to find grace lee's that um are not that yeah it's sound it's almost you could hear it and it's just like i i get where she's kind of coming from you know what i mean it's 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 hard to describe i you just feel like this overwhelming sense of like uh, uh, like of sadness yeah like to like, to like not not be allowed to be yourself, I think, is just so, so sad. It's depressing. And in a way, I could kind of understand. It's like, dude, like, I could understand Grace Lee's kind of disappointment. It's like, dude, what happened? Like, you were really on it. You were fired up. Your ex is talking you up. Like, I want to meet, I want to meet that motherfucker. Yeah. And, and she's gone. Mm -hmm. That's so depressing. And I think it, it highlights the extent of the pressures uh i guess maybe south korean women are put through asian asian women in general man because yeah that was but like this one is specific to south korea like i hear stories about the um uh, like those k-pop bands and the intense pressure that they are put under to perform and to be a part of this group like it's intense that's one of the things that this documentary touches on. This documentary touches on a lot of different subjects. It's not just about, it's not just about one thing. It's about a lot, right? Yeah. You're talking about identity just in general. And how particularly Asian women are oppressed by, by society, by their family, by their religion, by so many other things. Yeah, well, it's like identity just in general, right? Because your name is, no, is not really unique. I've never met another Jorge Montoya. I don't think you've ever met another Austin. I think baby. you have. I think you have. Jorge Montoya? Yeah, your dad. Oh, get, get the fuck out. Okay, <laughs> my father. Yes. But that's two people. It feels unique. It feels like this is my name. Now imagine being just one out of like a thousand Grace Lees. It, in a way, it almost just feels like you're, you're not your own identity. You don't own this name. This isn't you. You're just part of this bigger blob. And it, even Grace, the filmmaker Grace Lee, she's like, I, she kind of finds it a little, finds it a little depressing. And she's like, this isn't, it's like you, you have no real identity. And then on top of that, you're talking about Asian identity too in America, right? Yeah. And in so, and in South, in South Korea, and I'm sure in China too as well. You're talking about the pressures of what it's like being the chill, being the, being part of a fan of an immigrant family. Because they touch they touch on immigration here for a bit. Because um, mm -hmm. most of the Grace Lees, their parents are immigrants. Most. Mm -hmm. 
they talk about the pressures of trying to conform to an American society and kind of how parents can put that on you. Well, something that the, this documentary talks about that's really interesting is that, I, and I didn't know this either, but I guess a lot of Koreans really like Grace Kelly. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> no idea. They have an entire restaurant with Grace Lee pictures and stuff on the wall and giant Grace Kelly neon fixtures and stuff. And, and a I lot of a, the the Graces were named after Grace Grace Kelly. There was a part where they montaged all of the Grace Lee inter- people that were being interviewed with them saying Grace Kelly, Grace Kelly, Grace Kelly, Grace Kelly. It's like, yeah, what, this is a weird obsession that almost immigrants have because my parents have it, too, where they come in and they idolize American society, American culture. But what is American culture? For the large part, it is white. Yeah, it's, it's the dominant culture. And especially when you're a kid, you watch these uh, American films and stuff. My dad watched Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. They, they grow up with this stuff and they grow to idolize it. And in a weird way, they're like, I want my kid to, I want to strive for that. And yeah. so when you have a child that's born and you kind of want to put them in that, you want to insert them into that culture, American culture, that white culture, dude, uh, great. Why aren't you going to name them after someone you love, after someone you grew mm-hmm. up watching? Grace Kelly. And I think there's some of like the the beauty standards in South Korea kind of try to I don't know is it South Korea or is it just in like uh, well they they talk about South Korea they um, talk about South Korea but yeah. I I remember hearing for the first time about double eyelids versus single eyelids you know what that is I learned about that in in college <laughs> yeah I learned about that way later than than I'm I'm sure that other people learned about it mm-hmm. like I oh guess yeah double... I was a grown man or a grown boy. <laughs> If you don't know what I'm talking about, there is a like a crease in your eyelids in Western faces that you don't really see in like Asian faces, I guess. And there's like a beauty standard to get that curl if you don't ha- get the uh, the crease if you don't have it, and it becomes a way to like I guess make your make yourself look less Asian, I guess. Less Asian is the right term. And- that's a weird fucked up thing to think, right? Like, that, I need to look less Asian to be beautiful. Like, my eyelids don't fit in. Yeah. Like, eyelids, bro. Eyelids. That's insane. And yet, that is a real life thing. That That is a real life thing that happens here. It's so... There are so many balls being juggled in the air. Mm-hmm. And... For how long the documentary is, an hour and eight minutes? Yeah. It does it really well. I think so. And I think it does a lot of cool things without, like, saying it. Like, I'm going to move towards the uh, the pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. She talks about how, as the pastor's wife, the pastor will bring up illustrations and draw from his own life as um, an example to, like, talk to his his church so she's being so people know stories about her. She's like always like in the church's eyes. And she mm-hmm. says something like, I we know that we are always being watched, so there's a lot of pressure there. Mm-hmm. And like that, oh man, that and there's this uh a scene where she has to like teach kids about sex before marriage and like why that's that's bad. Um and how to go about dating and stuff. 
And she's like really nervous about it. She would much rather talk about her daughter's diaper situation <laughs> behind her. <laughs> so tonight, my topic is on dating and sex. So it's a little bit scary for me because, first of all, um, it's kind of a taboo subject for Asian Americans. And the pastor's wife is giving the talk, so that's even more um, d different. By the way, the kids call me Auntie Grace. So, because um, I was like, Grace is too informal. So I want to have a sense of, sense of respect. <laughs> I warned you. <laughs> Did you poo-poo, baby? Did you poo-poo? Okay, okay, okay. Ooh, you sure did. Yeah, try. And also there's that part where the pastor's giving a sermon about how to approach people who aren't Western. Yeah. And it's like, are, I, I don't know, the impression that I got was, are you using Grace Lee to reach people that look like her? That's what I was thinking too. They don't deal with that. Like they don't go into that. But that was the impression that I got too. Because that was that was a weird kind of presentation, because it's like here's how you here's how you have to reach people from different cultures and different uh, parts of the world, and it's like a cousin religion, and I was like, it it brings up an interesting thought. It's like, are you using? I, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of it kind of feels that way a little bit. Like you don't see the rest of the congregation, you just see the pastor's wife and the the dude talking, and yeah. the dude talking is white. Yeah. And the all the kids that she talks to about sex before marriage, they're all Asian. Yeah. And they're all girls. M most of them are girls. I saw a few guys, uh, but just the overwhelming number. It was a very weird situation. It kind of highlights this thing of like this, this sense of like um, just being watched and observed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the kind of pressure that that... That that... Yeah. Uh, that that brings i yeah that was something i never even thought of i was raised catholic so all my priests were they weren't married right so they're kind of telling stories uh or they're, they're trying their best to like relate to the stories that they're talking the sermons that they're talking about but here it's like i don't know how i'd feel about my wife you know being a pastor is like listen man you know i i know someone who uh just snores at night and their feet smell and, it, and it's like is this is this bitch talking about me what the fuck yeah. but 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 i never that was never something that i ever thought about i think that's something that like i dealt because i as i mentioned i think on the christmas episode i grew up in a, a diet cult <laughs> a jehovah's witness that's how i was raised and i think that they, the elders in that in the congregation, they did talk about people and how we appeared mattered a lot to their opinions. It kind of got me in trouble because I was like doing anime music videos with with corn and, and vampires and that was no good. And I don't know, I felt I just felt like there was a lot of pressure on me being in that. Um, and that's religion. and that's in the and that's in the religious sense, too. Uh, the amount of pressure that all these Grace Lees feel is overwhelming. Yeah. All of them. Even the Grace Lee reporter, who arguably probably is, like, uh, kind of the most well-off, you could say. Yeah. Like, um, people, like, you know, 
great job, works is working her dream, really good at her job, you know, very well respected and stuff. And she has the pressures of 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 uh, uh, she she still has she still suffers the pressure from being an Asian woman in a Western culture. It's insane. And it's not just her too. It's like uh the young Grace Lee, the the um, the the religious Grace Lee. Oh, where yeah, she's she... like, I need to be married by this time, and I want to have this and this and this. And it's like, oh, so you have your whole plan and everything set out. It's it's very daunting. And you also have the artist, Grace Lee, who's just like, it's overwhelming at times, and I'm trying my mm-hmm. best, but I just I need to let loose. So if I need to let loose by drawing some fucked up shit, I gotta do it, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think she did. She does talk about some of the um, expectations and the pressure that she used to have from her dad, I think, mm-hmm. who isn't in the documentary. You don't see him at all. No. I think you see the mom, but you don't see the dad. You see the mom. And she talks about how when she was feeling really low, it was partially because of the pressures and the expectations her dad put on her. It's, o- it's almost overwhelming. Just here. And the thing is, too, I, how many Grizzlies were there? Eight that she really talks to? Eight or seven? Eight. Eight. Eight of them. Uh, and it hits you back to back to back. Like you don't you don't get a moment where it stops. It's like, all right, here's reporter Grace Lee and here's this Grace Lee and here's another Grace The way they, they go about it, it kind of goes with like the easier to digest stuff in the front. Yes. And, and then, then you it, kind of you, you see the, the reporter, then the arsonist who you never see, you just hear about. Um, and her the arson wasn't really that bad. It was like a, a room caught on fire. When no one yeah. was there, um, then it goes to the activist Grace Lee, who's the Grace Lee Boggs, who's very, you know, she she knows who she is, yeah, and she's well loved and well respected in her community, and she has like a great sense of humor, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the artist who has a bit of a dark side, who she's funny and she's personable, but she expresses herself in that way because of all the trauma that she's she had been through previously. And then we go to the the pastors and like all the pastor's wife and the pastor's kid, and you kind of see. I don't. At that moment, I felt like uncomfortable. I don't know about you. I felt a little uncomfortable too because it felt like they were very much kind of like indoctrinated, almost like yeah. it almost felt a little. Um, I don't know the right way to phrase this, but wound up potentially. Like they just seemed like, especially with the pastor's wife. She seemed like, all right, like people know about some of the intimate details between me and my husband. And I have a lot of responsibility because I need to obviously take care of my daughter. But I also have to talk to these kids and kind of put Mm -hmm. them on the on the Christian path. And, you know, sometimes that involves talking about sex, which is uncomfortable. And Um, I think the the pastor's kid mentions that she's she has some kind of um, like self-reflection and that she knows that she has been shaped by the Korean um society and the expectations of a korean society my dad wanted to start a new church and it's kind of like um like in the bible and the new testament like all the churches there were house churches and it was like very small intimate and i guess my dad just had that vision and he really focuses on the youth too like um just teaching young people and i guess he puts part of that on my shoulders as well and so that's like his vision and i and I have that same vision too. I think in, in certain regards, I am that typical Grace Lee Asian girl. 
But inside me, and the experiences, the background that I have, I think it's different from the typical Grace Lee. I guess also I've been shaped by the Korean American population and, um, and also by society as a whole. You know, Asian girls are supposed to be like this, 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 this. For, compared to Grace Lee Boggs, they didn't seem totally at ease, right? Grace yeah. Lee Boggs is like, hey, man, this is my house. It's dirty as hell, but, you know, uh, it is what it is, you know? And then you have Grace Lee, the reporter, who who was very professional, and, but she seemed cool. And, you know, she's walking around, and here's where I work, and this is what it looks like. And But the two religious Grace Lees seemed very, like, Yes, this is my life, and this is these are the responsibilities that I have, and you know I, uh, you know I have to do this and this by this time, or you know, and it's like, oh, okay, you're under a lot of pressure, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was the impression I, I I got, and I was like, you know, you seem happy, so mm -hmm. I hope you're happy. <laughs> yeah, one thing that I really liked about the the mom Grace Lee uh, at the end was that, in spite of like being in her situation, being someone who wasn't allowed to have a voice, who wasn't allowed to like really have her own like true identity. I think it's really great and moving that she has her son and she kind of like supports him doing what he wants to do. And he wants, he wants him to grow up to have a voice. I think that's, that's pretty important. She's a lot like a friend to me. I mean, she's a very supportive friend. Uh, she tells me when I'm doing something right or when I'm doing something wrong. And I think that Lewis would probably agree that, you know, not everything is, you know, it, I'm not going to agree with everything he says, but he's always entitled to an opinion and I will always listen to it. Uh, and that is something that we were never given when I was young. I was never given a voice. I was never told that my opinion mattered. That was an important, that was a cool part of the doc where she's like growing up when I grew up, I didn't have that voice. She said that, um, it, I mean, it was hostile when she yeah. was a kid in her, in her adoptive parents' house. And, uh, she's like, I'm not going to raise my son that way. Her son's name's Lewis. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm we, no, we have an open dialogue. And you know what he said, like, I listen to what he says. I don't want to, I don't want him to deal with the bullshit that my parents, my adoptive parents put me through. Mm -hmm. It's. It's very weird because it's almost like she's the one that's persevered the most. Yeah. Not not to not to again, we don't want to compare Grace Lee's and stuff, but it I mean her story was tough. Yeah. And she and she has a hearing impairment where she has to she has like a chip inside behind her ear. Mm -hmm. She was talking about how she can't distinguish voices. Everyone sounds the same. That's why she has a hard time talking on the phone. Um, because I guess that frequency doesn't register or she can't tell who's on the other line. Yeah. She's, um, she, she says everybody sounds like Darth Vader, <laughs> which is funny because her son wants to be a filmmaker and he made like a, a Star Wars fan made film. Oh yeah. That oh, was funny. I um, love that. <laughs> okay. I have to just say this. You remind me of Lewis. Do I? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like it was funny. Cause when they, before they mentioned the filmmaking thing, I was like, huh? Like, Kind of has sort of a distinct voice. I was like, just kind of tall, pretty chill, like, you know, um, pretty straightforward. And I was like, he reminds me of someone, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know who it is. You don't look like, you guys don't look alike at all. Uh -huh. 
But it was just like, uh, oh, he reminds me of someone. I, I don't know who it is. And then when they're showing this fan film, I'm like, this dude's fucking Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, I had to do the voice, the Darth Vader voice. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that, I'm sure you, you did that at some point. Yeah. Uh, we, we, oh my, I'm, I feel bad for my parents having to sit through this, but my siblings and I, we would like recreate like our own Star Wars fan fiction and like act them out with the toys in front of our parents. Oh. And we would like make popcorn for them and stuff. Like it was a movie. And I think sometimes they were really long and our parents had to sit through that, never complained about the length. (laughs) Uh, Like, well, fuck it, just. They learned how to sleep with their eyes open. <laughs> no, but that, I mean, I feel like that's something kids do just in general. My yeah. sister used to watch Hannah Montana and she used to do these concerts where she was a pop star and stuff. And, <laughs> I mean, she's not the only, like, kids do this. Kids, yeah. this is a thing. But uh, it's really cool how she was supportive of Lewis and um, yeah. kind of just how open they are with each other. It really, she definitely was, the, she persevered a lot. And it mm-hmm. was just an uphill battle constantly. And it's like, oh, her friend's husband's a piece of shit. Oh, her parents were pieces of shit. Oh, and she has trouble hearing too. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Grace Lee Boggs and Lewis's mother, Grace Lee, right? Yeah. Seemed like the most just in tuned with who they were and where, and they felt so comfortable in who they were that when you compare them next to like uh, the religious Grace Lee's, it's almost night and day. And it just, it, it, in a way, it makes me feel sad for the religious Grace Lee's. And it made me feel bad for soul yeah. Grace. Because I'm like, man, like, what must they be going through internally? You know what, what I mean? What aren't they allowed to express? Yeah. They're, they're hiding these, they're hiding these, uh, insecurities and these 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 painful memories and and they're just hiding them and people will just look at them as like oh yeah they're nice they're nice quiet quiet (laughs) doesn't seem like much is happening inside their heads when in reality it's like oh shit they're the kids of an immigrant family so they already have to deal with the pressures of trying to assimilate and trying to be successful Oh, and if they have pieces of shit uh, husbands or whatnot, oh no, you know, you know, they have to deal with that. Oh, piece of shit parents, they have to deal with that. Oh, if they're religious, you know, they don't want to disappoint God. Oh yeah, you know that's someone. I mean? That's someone who's always watching. Always watching. <laughs> on the feature film that I worked on in in, in in UCI, one of the lines of dialogue that one of the main characters says is, "God can see you even in the dark." <laughs> 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 it's it's uh it just reminded me of that, right? If this pressure mm-hmm. of just always having to dedicate your life to Christ, right? Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, is it hard to be Grace Lee? Yeah. It's funny because I started <laughs> off watching the documentary where the filmmaker is like, oh, yeah, Grace Lee, you know, always described as positive and this, that, very positive adjectives, right? Why is that a problem? Like, these are all positive things. I would love people to describe me like this. I was like, can I be Grace Lee? And it's not towards the end of the film. You're like, oh, fuck. They're dealing with so much bullshit. Yeah. And people that, just think of them as like, I, the, they use this word in the film, typical Asian. Yeah. Oh, There's my. A, I think like um, 
if you go to like what didn't hold up, I think it's the part where how comfortable those guys were dis- describing what they thought of when they thought of an Asian woman. I wish I could get over my identity crisis, but it's easier said than done. Ask anybody on the street what they picture when they think of an Asian woman, and you'll get responses like these. Quiet, um, reserved, and petite. Sensitive, very nice. Petite, small, uh, soft-spoken, gentle. Petite, small, (laughs) soft-spoken. But I say intelligent. Gentle. Soft-spoken, but I would say attractive. That'll be every case. Quiet, gentle, nice. Aren't these just polite ways of saying passive or weak? I'm inspired by how Grace Lee Boggs is able to transcend these labels, but most of us aren't quite there yet. If if you did that like today, I think people would have more wherewithal to like understand that this question is going to make them seem like they're racist or they're stereotyping? Well, I, I don't know if it would, though. I mean, realistically, I don't know if people would be more cognizant of that. I mean, it's been 16 years, but I mean, how much has really changed? You know what I mean? I mean, people are more aware of what Asian Americans go through, but not that much. I, I think, I mean, uh, think about it this way. I mean, people like, still would- think... How would you feel if someone came up to you and, and asked you, like Grace Lee, a Korean filmmaker, asked you, what do you think of when you think of a typical Asian girl? Honestly, like, I would probably give straightforward, stereotypical, kind of low-key racist answer. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm kind of conflicted because part of me would say probably like straightforward, stereotypical answers, low-key racist answers. The other part of me is like, well, I, I spent five years in UCI where there were a range of a wide range of students, right? Mm-hmm. Not just Asians, but Hispanic and Black, um, right? A lot of Asians. I feel like maybe I would say something a little bit. Maybe I'd be aware. That's the hope. That's the dream that I would be a little bit more aware. But who the fuck knows, really? And if I'm an educated liberal person, <laughs> right? And even I'm struggling to honestly answer that question. I don't know how many, how most people would. Honestly, and I'm not trying to say I'm the metric for how society, the norm in society and stuff, but like, I mean, think about, think about some of the stereotypes that Asian, Asian people have right now, Asian women, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, smart's always the, the, the first thing, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, submissive, right? There's this whole Asian fetish. A lot of those guys said petite and the one old white dude said, I, I find them attractive. And then I was trying to read his lips as to the next thing he said. And I think it was... I particularly find Asian women attractive. Honestly, honestly, I don't know if people would like say differently today. I mean, again, <laughs> like there is this this stereotype that oh, Asian women are submissive and stuff like like that is that's still happening. Maybe yeah. less people would say it, or maybe they'd be more aware that it's kind of fucked up. I'd be really interested to see how a film like a Grace Grace Lee the filmmaker would go about like if she went out and asked people. Right, what they thought of the typical Asian quote unquote. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how different the answers are. I don't think they would. Hmm. I mean, I think we're more aware now. Some people are more aware, but yeah, I think you're right. I think if you, it, it might probably be the same. Like if you go down to like a spring break or something, like all gas no breaks or something. 
<laughs> yeah. I can picture him like asking people, what do you think of when you, when you think of an Asian girl? And he'd probably get the same responses. Probably. You know, we'd like to think that we're, we're more enlightened than we were. I mean, who, who the fuck knows? Man? I mean, like you said, all gas, no brakes. I always get depressed watching those videos. <laughs> always get depressed because I'm just like, man, we are not as advanced as we think we are. And then you hear mm-hmm. about I mean, just everything happening in the world. Right. And yeah. uh, this documentary had me thinking a lot because I was thinking that. I def after the film the film finished, I was like, what if she had come up to me and asked me, what would I have said? And part of me, yeah. I would have said the typical answer. The other part of me is like, no, I'm I'm way more enlightened now. But I'm saying that now. What about George from six years ago? Or what about George from 2005? How old was I? I was uh 12. I mean, Jesus. And here, and here's the fucked up thing too. In a weird way, I understand what they're going through, but not enough to totally to totally be aware of when I'm saying something offensive or when I'm basing an observation off a stereotype. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For example, like, and this is a very like low, key, like I am not comparing my experiences to the Grace Lee to the women in this doc. Hell no, very different, right? But like, for example. Uh, something that kind of jokingly happens in my life is I don't like avocado. I don't oh. like avocado and I don't like hot sauce. And, and I'm, I'm sure a- you get people going, what kind of Mexican are you? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm That's a microaggression. I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not, and it doesn't offend me. It doesn't. Um, I mean, you know me, like I look, man, I think it bothers you as, a little bit though. That's, that's not what bothers me. What bothers me is when they see how light skinned, like light, light, how how light my skin is. I was a white baby, like I was Caucasian, like I was born in some European mountain where the snow. Mm-hmm. Sw- I was pale. <laughs> You're born in the true north. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, I I went to the beach a few weeks ago, or uh, not to the beach. I went to a pool, and I burned up like a motherfucker because I'm so pale. I'm so easily burned. And another mm-hmm. thing too is when I. I Spanish was my first language, right? Mm-hmm. But because I've been talking, I've been speaking English so many years, I've kind of uh, gotten out of that. Have, Spanish isn't my main language anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. So with that, it's kind of, I've kind of formed a bit of an accent. My grammar isn't right. My pronunciation of certain words is wrong. When people are like, oh, yeah, you're not really Mexican. You're not really Hispanic. Based off of those two things, I'm like... Mm. That's what ticks me off. You know uh, what I same, mean? Same, dude. Same. I'm like on a low key level, I'm like, so you think just because I don't have these things that are typically uh, Mexican or Hispanic or Nicaraguense, it yeah. kind of ticks me off a little bit. Like for example, I'll go to like a Hispanic restaurant and I'll speak in Spanish. Try, I'm trying to accommodate them, right? I'm I'm trying my best. Right. And this is a little bit of flavor of his of of Hispanic culture that I get. So I'm like, fuck, it, I'm just yeah. gonna go in. And then they start. They then they switch up when I walk in. Like, hola, como te, uh, hola, qué te puedo dar? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, me puedes dar una quesadilla, quiero una horchata grande. And then like, oh, and how, what kind of meat would you like? Like, there's a, like a little switch where I'm just like. Can I have carne asada, please? And I'm just like, okay, no, 
this doesn't uh I don't know if I'm the right or wrong, but this kind of irks me a little bit. Does it irk you because they switch to English because they don't like your Spanish? I think that's what it is. Or that's how I perceive See, it. I think I think I also can relate to that because I my mom is Bolivian. She came from Bolivia, so I grew up speaking Spanish and English. And over time, my Spanish was just dropped completely because I I couldn't speak it right. And I feel like I felt a little self-conscious about how bad my Spanish was. And like my dad is half black and Japanese. So I'm like three different races and I don't really feel like I'm any one of them. So I I get that. Like the the Spanish thing, I totally get that. The not, not being a real uh, Latin or a real black person or a real Asian. Like I I feel all of that. That that pisses me off. it, It irks me a little bit. And in my personal situation, not speaking for you, it irks me, but it is nowhere near as, as bad as these as the, the great sleeves have it. I right. Mean, just I think even- it's it's how we relate to to each other, though. It's it's how we can understand their stories. Like I I felt like I could relate to um uh like the religious ones because I've I grew up in a kind of religious household and I could kind of see similarities between um like the the last Grace Lee. Uh, like talking about how important it is to have a voice because I think for a long time I just didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to sound stupid or sound wrong or embarrass myself and I feel like it was a some some somehow maybe it was uh growing up Jehovah's Witness or um, being somebody in of of mixed race that I my somehow my voice didn't count as much so I could I could understand why she would want to teach that to her son. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just how we relate to to each other. You know, we understand similarities in our stories. We're not saying that they're the same, but it's how we understand them. I think. Does that make sense? No, no, absolutely. And I mean the um, the Grace Lee that I related to the most was uh, the artist, the piano player. Absolutely, because she, she was talking about kind of how she like. Um, you know, she almost has like to put up a front, you know, and kind of the pressures that her father put on her. And it, it never got as bad with me and my dad. Um, There was a certain pressure to be like a watchmaker and stuff to learn this profession and stuff. And, you know, um, it was it was a little pressure. And when she was when I saw her drawings and it was fucked up, it's like, oh, here's this person who you can't really you, you, you think you have an idea of who she is. And then she shows you this side. It's like, oh, no, that she's still the same Grace Lee that I met, but there's a lot more to her. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of how she copes with the pressures. And I was like, that's really interesting. That's cool. Like, yeah, she's kind, she's kind of punk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I, I like, I like her a lot. And on a certain level, I could relate to that. I'm like, yeah, I, I, when she was talking about her dad, I was like, I get exactly what she's talking about. And just having mm-hmm. that release. And especially in high school, for me, it was swimming. Um, just all my energy was put into the sport. And um, and later on in college, it was through filmmaking. Yeah, I, same. It's, it was really cool just seeing all these women and talk about the same. They're just they're all talking about the same thing, but through different facets of it. Right. Mm hmm. And it was re- that's what this documentary does really well. And again, these are only eight Grace Lee's. Eight of them. 
And yeah. in her inbox, there were thousands. Thousands. The guy, the guy. The that, PI? That, the, yeah, the, the PI that she talks to. She's like, how many Grace Lee's are there? There's too many. There's more than 500. <laughs> more than 500 in California. Yeah, in California. You're not even talking about the Grace Lee's in New York, in mm. Korea, because they were named they were named off of Grace Kelly. You're not even talking about the Grace Kelly's in the Midwest, which the filmmaker is from. Yeah. And kind of and what they and what they talk about, because the filmmaker was like, yeah, I was the only Asian. I was the only Asian girl for miles, excluding my sister. Imagine what kind of pressure she felt. Oh, and something that I love. Is that. There's this kind of weird meta narrative about Grace Lee, the filmmaker. Yeah, because she's talking about wanting to find another Grace Lee that isn't like her. Because she feels like she is kind of... Um, she feels like she's a failure. <laughs> right? Well, it, it, well she, fe- she says that she's kind of... Yeah, you're, you're right. That she feels like a fla- failure because she can't... Re- she's not the the Grace Lee that went to an Ivy League and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? But she wants to find other, film- other uh, Grace Lees that kind of break the mold. And it's weird because every time, you know, the arsonist Grace Lee and uh, the bar owner Grace Lee soul gracefully it's like oh there are these women that i thought were going to be cool and amazing and break the mold and they didn't and even there's a moment where she's like saying she starts questioning her own decisions she's like i'm 30 years old and i haven't even decided if i want a kid yet why did i choose a profession that is unstable that takes a lot of time there's a lot of rejection and there's not much money (laughs) She's like asking herself all these questions. It's almost like her insecurities are starting to come out. Mm-hmm. For a moment, I'm like, I get where she's coming from. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's like, it's wild. I'm like, and not even just on the filmmaker side, but it's just like, I mean, part of it had to do with being a filmmaker. But I'm also like, I feel like we're in our late 20s or you and your early I'm 31. 30s and 31. And it's like, it doesn't feel like we're. Do I don't feel like a part You're, of me doesn't feel like we're doing it right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That the Grace Lees of the, the Grace Lees of the world are like setting the tone and the pace, and I'm falling behind them. And I can't help but think, am I a disappointment? By extension, mm-hmm. it's in it, it's this weird like when she visits the um the Grace Lee um wedding hall, where she starts talking about this, you know, that she. She's just not sure where she's at and everything. And she kind of, and that's when we move into the final part, which is Grace Lee, the mom. And this is where things turn positive, in my view. Grace Lee, the mom, talks about how, you know, she there was a lot of uncertainty in her life, right? There was um, a lot of struggles, but something that kind of helped her um, kind of find her North Star was her son Lewis, right? How <clears throat> that she he was the thing that she needed in order to kind of <clears throat> stop these questionings from from being from from coming up from from these insecurities coming up. And it's not so much that the film doesn't state that in order to find yourself you need to have a kid. I think yeah. it's I think it it doesn't say that. It's almost like there's no real answer. But what the film says is that all of these Grace Lees found their own answer. Yeah. 
not being just a chat like oh a son's gonna give you your future it's almost like all of these grace lee's found their answer and while maybe to outsiders it might be a little weird when we're talking about the religious grace lee's that's what they have answered for themselves and that they all went through the same things but they all kind of found their way around they almost found their solutions it's a very basic answer you know but it was like really reassuring and you can almost hear it in the filmmaker's voice. It's almost like when 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 she kind of states the thesis of the film, it's like I was looking for a bunch of different Grace Lees. Grace Lees, I was going I was set on finding a bunch of Grace Lees and showing how they're all different when the opposite turned out to be true. She found a bunch of Grace Lees that had a lot in common. Uh, they were very similar. Mm-hmm. But she said, but even though they shared you know, the even though they shared these positive traits, they weren't just they weren't defined by that. Yeah. They were defined by different things. You know, when she asks a bunch of Grace Lees, how would you describe yourselves? They how, all would, say, how would you like to be remembered, I think, is the question. They, they all yeah. They all say different things. They don't reside on the nice, polite, petite, religious. Yeah. Uh they all say different things. One of my favorites was like, oh, a, a motorcycle rider. Yeah, uh, Boggs says I have I have two hearing aids. I've got most of my teeth. One of them, um, they all say different answers. Yeah, and that's and was, that's the answer that I think you know you would want. It's like what would you want people to describe you as? It's not like nice, quiet, polite, and shy, soft spoken, all that. That's not how. You, that's not like a personality, right? Their their personality is what. The answer that they give Gracely, the filmmaker, at the end as mm-hmm. to like what they want to be remembered by. It's a weird, it's a movie about identity and how mm-hmm. we and how we define ourselves, how we identify, how we want the world to see us. And I mean, the answer is pretty basic, but it's really nice to hear. Yeah, it's 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 nice to hear other people's stories, I think, and, it, and it, told this way. And also hearing it from someone who almost by definition is not, oh, not by definition, but by, by, but by premise is not original. All Asian women with the same name. Yeah. That must be crazy to think about. If there were like a thousand other Jorge Montoya's, which I'm sure there are in the world, but nope, I've never met one. This is kind of going off tangent, but I did get a random Facebook message from an Austin Bates. Oh, and really? It, and it was, there was like 20 other Austin Bateses in the conversation. They're all being in this group message. And it was just like, hey, does do you guys have like uncomfortably big dicks too? And that was, that was the end of it. When did When did this happen? Like, I don't even remember. It was stupid. But then I'm seeing like the Grace Lee project. And I think recently there was this thing with a the bunch Josh's? of Josh's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, for people who don't know, there was this this guy sent out a message to like 10 or 20 other Josh's. Not even the same Josh's with the last name, but just Josh's. And he was like, Josh Swain, right. I think was his name. And it's like, oh, we're going to meet at these coordinates, which was Utah, Nebraska or something Nebra- like that. Nebraska. We're going to. And we're all going to go there and we're going to fight. And whoever wins gets to keep the name Josh and everyone else has to find a new name. It's pretty <laughs> dumb. This happened just recently. Like recently, not, yeah. even, not even a week ago. 
or, or well, in the time of this podcast, it's like maybe two or maybe a month. And yeah. it's a funny story because it's a funny story, and it has like a really positive ending because they didn't just fight. You know, they all they grabbed pool noodles and dressed up. They did cosplay, and they had they like were a fun. They had like a fun thing, and then they ended up raising eight thousand dollars for charity, and they donated a bunch of food to the food bank in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, and I think they, the the winner was a four year old kid, and and they gave they they crowned him, and they gave him like a wrestling belt. I think it was an AEW belt, and <laughs> declared he's the king of the Joshes, and the Burger Wonderful. King helmet that they gave him or the burger king crown was too big for his head so it just like goes straight down to his neck <laughs> resting amazing. on his shoulders amazing it's it's incredible you know it's it's almost something that we don't even really think about right and this this documentary kind of highlights that you know and it goes into these different grace lees and kind of the what they've gone through in life. And in a weird way, it does what that event in Nebraska did, but for women named Grace Lee. Now, they don't all meet up. They don't crown a Grace Lee and stuff. But it, when you're watching the documentary, they're all juxtaposed right next to each other. They're all put side by side. They're mm-hmm. right next to each other. They all It's almost in a weird way, like they're talking to each other. They're relating to each other's experiences, even though they're not talking to each other, right? Yeah. Like mom Grace Lee isn't talking to reporter Grace Lee. Right? right the only grace Lee that they're talking to is the filmmaker the director mm-hmm. but when they're being described by other people and then they get, kind of give up their follow their follow-up comments to what people say about them and they're and they're put next side by side you are seeing their experience they're, it's almost like they're talking to each other and like they're nodding and they're like oh mm-hmm. i know exactly what you're going through and at the very end when it's like how would you like to be remembered it's like it's almost it's almost as cathartic as that as reading about that event in Nebraska in a weird way for me. I thought the timing was perfect for this. Yeah. It really was. It's, it was it was fate. It's following up this event in Nebraska with the Joshes, right? It's following mm-hmm. up the first the the first Asian woman to ever win a best dressed director Oscar. Not just Asian woman, but just woman of color, mm-hmm. right? In a year that was very unkind towards Asians. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, this shit seems kind of like fate. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it was a wonderful, it's a wonderful documentary. It really uh, is. And it's only an hour long, an hour and eight minutes, $4 rental on Vimeo or free if you have an LA library card. I'm very glad I watched it. Um, my favorite part was when all the Grace Lees are talking about how they'd like to remember. That was my favorite part. That was my, yeah, I like that part too. And we usually close out these episodes with, what's a quote that summarizes how you feel about this movie? Today, we're not going to do that. Today. Oh, I know what you're going to do. Today, we're going to do something different. George, George Montoya. How would you like to be remembered? How did I? Oh my God. I, <laughs> leading up to, I was like, because Austin told me, he's like, do you want to know how we want to? do this thing and i'm like ah, i guess i no don't tell me i'll be surprised and leading up to this like i know what this son of a bitch is gonna do <laughs> um man how would i i would like to be remembered as the nice friendly giant 
That's how the I BFG? BFG, a la BFG. Uh, nice, friendly, kind of dumb, but also has moments of, of brilliance where you're like, man, that was so out of character for you, but it's great. And, you know, even though maybe not the most educated, not the most uh, <laughs> well-spoken, not the most forward-thinking, but he, but I, I would like to remember that someone who had good intentions. Um, was the Mexican Michael Phelps back in uh, <laughs> high school? A giant, friendly, dumb giant. That that's how I would like to be remembered. Uh, how would how how do you want to be remembered, Austin? Hmm. I guess I would like to be rem- remembered as uh, someone who's dependable, someone who who you feel comfortable talking to, being listened to. Uh, someone who I don't know is really nice. I guess I don't know. Someone g- good at video games. Um, <laughs> I would I would like to win an Oscar one day. I think that's on my bucket list. Uh, like when those like really like all right, I can die feeling accomplished now. Host SNL, but I don't know if I want to host SNL now that Elon Musk is doing it. That's oh, kind of yeah. that kind of taints the. <sighs> I mean. They hosted and, uh, Donald Trump hosted. Oh, that's Sunday. right. Yeah. Ugh. Steven Seagal. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but I, I still I would still like to to be on SNL, even if just it's just saying live from New York is Saturday night. I think that's one of my like that's one of my things. Winning an Oscar and doing that. It's either one. Either one would be would be great. Someone who's very Loving, maybe I guess I, I think I'm a loving person. I think I'm a nice person. I like to people. Feel... You don't show it to me. Shit, every every time I love you, Austin, and you're like, Ugh. that's because you you're weird about it. <laughs> Just love me, Austin. You're you're like the what's it the single white female that from the movie. You know what I'm talking Wait, about? Which one? Who she, like it's like a thriller where this woman is like so obsessed with her roommate that she like tries to become her. What movie is this? It's single white female. Wait, that's the name of the movie? Yeah, because she's looking for a roommate and the ad is looking for a single white female or something. I, I've never seen the movie, but like it's a. Oh, shit. Maybe and there's a be... sequel. Single white, single white female, too. <laughs> Oh, we might have to go over this. I think so. Oh. My sister saw it and she she kept mentioning it and it became part of like the pop culture references that I make even though I've never seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Single white female. This could be our story. Oh god. Now, okay though. Interesting. I was just thinking about you know what would I like to be remembered and it was like one of my favorite passions in life is watching movies, but I didn't use it to describe myself. Well, a lot of people like watching movies. Is that like a personality trait? I don't know. I always felt like maybe people put it to put it like kind of associated to me. And that's and I'm not saying that. Uh, I think it's a positive thing. I obviously love movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we of talk course. about them. We watch them. It's our we, favorite it, thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's uh, one of my fa- my favorite thing. Um. This movie, it this really, it really started with this movie. I, mm-hmm. it's just you can't help but just think about where you're at 
and what you start thinking. And, and what that was one of my favorite things about the documentary is that the filmmaker kind of starts having these questions as well. Um, I'm able to relate to her on a on a filmmaker's uh, partly, but also because you know she you're listening you're literally listening to her thoughts, right? What what she's saying and what she's thinking, and you can't help but ask yourself these questions too. Mm-hmm. Have the decisions I've made been the right ones? Um, why am I not as cool as these other Grace Lees? You know, or why am I not? as great as as grace lee and why am i not as cool as some of these other grace lee you know what i mean just kind of being in the middle and being in, in between you can't help but watch and learn about their experiences but you start thinking about your own experiences it's very very odd very very odd that's why i think it's worth it for four dollars and for an hour an hour yeah of your time there are movies out there that have bigger budgets, bigger star power. They're way longer. And I watch them like, I, what What did I get out of it? Fucking nothing. This is an <laughs> hour and eight minutes. So that's my my recommendation. Yes, go watch this movie. Um, And especially in these times. Right? Yeah. Why not? You're going to learn a little bit more. And you might learn a little bit more about yourself. You're going to learn a lot more about what these women are going through and you might just start learning a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a good to be a little self reflective and introspective and like thinking about like, Hmm, am I a good person? Am, am I-, I as unique as I think I am? And because we're also the kid of the, the kids of immigrants, we can't help but kind of relate to that angle as well. And mm-hmm. I got a lot of mileage out of this hour and yeah. eight minute film. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely worth watching. Um, so I think that's about all, right? Is there anything else you wanted to say? Um, no, I recommend this film. Check it out on Canopy or on Vimeo. Um, yeah, give it a watch, man. I think it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, so that's all for our episode. Next, in two weeks, May 16th is our next episode. And that episode is going to be the good, the bad, the weird. I misspoke before. I thought it was the good, the bad, and the weird. There is no and. The it's good, the bad, the weird. The good, the bad, the weird. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch this film, and I'm also going to rewatch the good, the bad, and the ugly. We need to save the good, the bad, and the ugly for, like, our Western episode. Yeah, but I I think because the film is making it very, like, clear that we're, we're making an homage to mm. that original Western, I haven't seen that Western in a long time. All right. I'm kind of yeah. like I need a refresher and just to maybe see like is like it just feel like the cinematic references like the shots and story beats and all that yeah just to see just to see where they reference where they made the references if they made anything or if it the reference just stays at the title maybe he's like I really like that movie uh I'm just gonna name my movie something similar but I'm not gonna take any references I'm kind of curious you know what all I mean? right and it's going to be our first Korean film. Our first foreign film, right? Our first non-English film. Non-English film, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I keep hearing about all these American remakes of foreign films. And all I'm thinking of is just read the fucking subtitles. <laughs> hey, and not everybody can read them, though. Some people are dyslexic. I guess watch the dubs if you can't read them. Watch the dubs. Uh, I don't. 
Uh, I don't know. It's weird. It feels, the, feels weird. The wheels on meals dub. It's not Jackie Chan doing Jackie Chan. So it's it sounds really weird. Even but though Jackie Chan can speak English? At the time, I don't think he spoke very much English. Because it's shot in the 80s. Oh. Oh, okay, okay. All right, never mind. All right. All right, never mind. Yeah, but All like, right. I, I, there's there's options out there to watch these non-English films if uh, it's hard to read the subtitles and all that look man um, i'll say this some of the films that have blown my mind the most have been foreign films where i didn't yeah. understand the language uh mm-hmm. have you seen old boy oh man i love old boy that movie so will blow good. everybody's mind and i don't speak a lick of korean all right you want to sign us off all right you can find us yeah, unless you're unless you haven't been following us on on the social medias, you can find us at retrograde underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. We are a retrograde podcast on Facebook. We have a Discord, but um, you have to request to be in the Discord, and I'll send you a link, and then you can chill in there and enjoy the the Hobbs emote that I just uploaded. To the Discord. Saw that. You um, can join us for a round of Among Us when we decide to play. We we yeah. we get on there and play Among Us every once in a while. You can shoot us suggestions for what movies we should cover. Um, maybe sometime soon we'll do another like poll on Instagram or something, asking for listener suggestions because that was fun. That was uh, great. What else? Oh, we have merch. So if you go to our Instagram and click the link in bio, you can get some really cool stickers. Um, from Janelle's uh, Redbubble. Um, we will have a shirt soon, I think. But I think I want to like talk to her about like how like the layout of it and everything. But well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So that's all for today. We'll see you in two weeks. See ya. Thanks, everyone. Bum, 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 bum.